Absurdist Astrology on Open Lines Radio is brought to you by Synergy Creative Systems. Synergy Creative Systems uses multiple social media and online platforms that operate independently as freestanding entities to post killer content that discreetly work in conjunction with each other to build robust and enduring images and brands through promotion by proxy. Welcome to Absurdist Astrology, a podcast on Open Lines Radio where meaning is given to the meaningless through astrological interpretations together. If you're new here, hi, I'm Tessa. My intention today is to dissect the upcoming new moon in Taurus. Maybe by the time you're hearing this, it will have passed, but as of today's recording, it is the day before the new moon. The new moon will be occurring on April 30th. I have the chart pulled for 4.44 Eastern Standard Time, as that's the time zone I live in. So this month, I would like to reflect on how it began. And that was also with a new moon, meaning that this month is considered a black moon. Mark and I had discussed the difference between a blue moon and a black moon, and essentially... This month, with two new moons, we have the opportunity to really develop new beginnings. Think of the beginning of this month with the Aries new moon. We had lessons surrounding communication, especially since Mercury was right there with that new moon, as well as Chiron, which is an asteroid classified as a centaur, but it's over time since its discovery not too long ago, But since its discovery, it has really brought wonderful lessons as far as the ability to heal wounds. So that particular new moon brought lessons surrounding wounding based on our communications, especially since Mercury, the fastest moving planet that dictates our communication day to day, was right there with that new moon. So... There were a lot more issues surrounding the self, the ego, our more selfish needs in the sense of who we are and what we believe in. When we move on to Taurus from the first sign of the zodiac to Taurus, then we start to develop more themes of grounding, earth, foundation. Currently, the moon is going to be exalted in Taurus. So when we began the month with that new moon in Aries, the moon isn't crazy about being in Aries. It struggles with the emotional sensitivity that the moon craves. Aries is very much spitfiery, very in-your-face, and they want their needs known, not necessarily in an empathetic sense, but in a way that is selfish, just based out of the 
fundamental birthing as you know they're the first sign of the zodiac so just kind of imagine that innate need where it's just down to survival but when you move on to Taurus that survival instinct starts to become more about building foundation and grounding so eclipse season has begun but this will be the first partial solar eclipse that occurs during this eclipse season so a solar eclipse can only occur during a new moon so this time around again it's a partial solar eclipse but they actually occur a little longer than a total solar eclipse so we kind of feel the energy linger on a little bit longer but not necessarily in a positive sense i'll get into that in a moment but essentially partial solar eclipses are relatively common they do happen about twice a year so this year it's on the taurus and scorpio axis meaning that the lunar nodes are in taurus and scorpio so during this particular partial solar eclipse, it's going to look like there's a horned sun. The way the moon will only be partially eclipsing the sun, it'll give the appearance of this horned sun. So I thought that was brilliant considering that this is a Taurus new moon. And Taurus, of course, is symbolized by the bull, which has horns, and the moon is exalted in Taurus per traditional astrology. So the symbolism there, I thought, was just fantastic that this upcoming new moon will have the horned face of the bull, the Taurus, just right on it. This will only be visible in parts of South America, Antarctica, and the Pacific and Southern Oceans as it sinks into the Pacific Ocean. So if you're there, that's awesome. I'm so looking forward to the photography of this moment. So stay tuned for that. Again, I just think it's fantastic imagery, you know, the way astrology um, really, of course, is synonymous with astronomy in a lot of senses. Um, but the reality is with this new moon and this particular eclipse season is that I would just be especially wary of where you're getting your resources from as far as timing for manifestation. You hear a lot of buzzwords about portal openings and I think I would really like to be, you know, this is relatively the beginning of this podcast, and try and just kind of dispel a lot of that language. I think it's really insensitive. I think it's very baiting um, the way a lot of astrologers, astrologists approach how they interpret what's going on, you know, um, astrologically. I think when we're talking about opportunity and timing for manifestation, we do have to stay very grounded in reality, right? And that's what Taurus is all about, is foundation and grounding and stability. And here in the present moment, when we start using language about portal openings and other dimensions, you know, and I, of course, have been guilty about that in my own interpretations as well but let's just be very frank here about what we mean when we say those things it's very lofty it's not realistic and there is this energy i'm feeling compelled to discuss that that we need to stay present in the moment more 
than ever. And there's a lot going on with this new moon that is trying to take us out of that present moment. With Taurus energy, again, the fact that this new moon is occurring when the North Node is in Taurus is very significant. Eclipse seasons tend to bring in major revelations very quickly in a short amount of time. So the good news here is that we do have some things happening with this new moon working to our advantage. Of course, the moon, I already said, is in its sign of exaltation. So what I mean by that is that the moon is naturally ruled by Cancer, for example. So in traditional astrology, they view the moon in Taurus as a sign of exaltation because it takes that energy of the cardinal water that rules the moon naturally. And when that fixed earth just complements so well the energy of what the moon needs and craves through that stability, it's like this beautiful foundation of solidity that exists underneath what the moon desires in its natural state. So during this particular eclipse season, again, which began in November 2021 and will last till October of 2023, we're learning a lot about the give and take of life, especially since Venus is still in Pisces for a little bit longer, also in its sign of exaltation. And Venus will be forming an exact conjunction with Jupiter on the day of the new moon in its sign of traditional rulership. Pisces. Again, that's what a conjunction is. And I just find that to be a saving grace, at least in this situation. Now, as I learn more about astrology, I have recently discovered that conjunctions weren't really considered an aspect in ancient astrology, because they didn't form a geometric relationship with each other as they're at the same degree, right? So I think it's just like this incredible emphasis of the energies rather than this playing that can occur between a trine, for example. Anyhow, um, we also have Uranus in Taurus with this new moon. So Uranus is a planet about instability and unpredictability. I discussed previously how it was really only discovered the past couple centuries. Um, so when Uranus is in Taurus, it doesn't like it <laughs> because Uranus likes unpredictability uh, traditionally or, you know, in recent years, I should say, because again, it was only recently discovered, is ruled by Aquarius. So when Uranus is in Taurus, it doesn't like that grounding because it wants to be erratic. It wants to be spontaneous. <laughs> and I think there's control issues that can definitely come up with this new moon um, being so present with Uranus in the North Node, our, our past selves, who we are, our, our issues surrounding control, our issues surrounding being present, how do we manipulate situations, perhaps, to cope with our insecurities? Do these insecurities come from deeply traumatic experiences? Do we find ourselves in a constant state of fight or flight because of these experiences? And Uranus and Taurus really reminds us of that 
especially in the fixed access, this eclipse season is happening so strongly for those who have fixed sign placements. That's Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, and Taurus. So those who have fixed placements especially are feeling this energy very, very heavily. I'm seeing a tendency for some people to be spending more than they should using material things as an outlet away from what's really happening in the present moment. So I would invite you to use this new moon, this eclipse season as an opportunity to open up to some self-acceptance rather than trying to manifest in open portals. I think rather it's important that we view this as an opportunity of self-acceptance with reflection. When you start to see yourself as a part of the whole rather than needing to possess and have and the material plane when you start to see yourself as a part of the grand picture and don't desire these material things as often you can find more tranquility but that's hard in this new moon state though right when we're being offered so much energy to want to build foundation, to have the material, to crave money, to crave power. Think of the foundation that you've built for yourself in this present moment. When I'm talking about the foundation you've built for yourself, I'm talking about what you have if the rug was pulled out from underneath you today. Would that foundation crumble in on itself? Would it cave in? Would the weight of what you carry day to day crumble that foundation even? Would it matter if it had to be pulled out from underneath you? Are you living in a state day to day where the foundation that you've built for yourself could crumble underneath you at any given time? And I think that's the most critical part of the new moon being so closely conjoined with the North Node in Uranus, all in Taurus. It's really reminding us of that fear that we live in, this instability that is constantly present, um, inviting us to really question if that unpredictable event did happen where I needed to leave my place of employment or if I needed to travel somewhere to compensate for this that happened and it really invites us to try to at least look at how can we invest ourselves in opportunities that would allow me to know, well, at least I have this safety net. At least I have this resource. At least I have myself. And that foundation that you've built, I hope that this new moon, you could use it as an opportunity to try and reflect and ask yourself what could I do to build more stability and grounding in my life rather than viewing it as this big portal of manifestation to enter onto the new dimension of whatever it might be that's really not what astrology is to me personally not to flack those that do use that language and rhetoric um, but I, I think there's just so much more philosophical opportunity to reflect back in history too. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so I'll get into that in a moment as far as other times the North Node was on the 
Taurus Scorpio axis. Um, so let's see, I just have this pulled up here. So, okay, so Taurus was last um, the sign of the North Node in the year 2004. So this happens about every 18 and a half years. So your first complete lunar node return happens at about 18 and a half, but you also have a lunar node opposition that occurs at about like nine years old. And then again at like 27, 28, and then your full lunar node return again at 37, if that makes sense. So like every nine years, you have some relationship with the lunar nodes happening to your natal lunar nodes. So this particular um, node transit for me, for example, is a lunar node opposition. I was born when the north node was in Scorpio. It's now in Taurus. But again, every nine years, you personally have an opportunity if you track your own placements and again it varies based on when you were born personally but essentially you have an opportunity to look back on your past self uh, generationally it is a um, relatively tight generation that um, has these placements um, but again this last occurred between April 15th 2003 to December 26, 2004. So just kind of think back on that time. Um, I think it's, I don't know why I'm compelled to bring this up, but I, I think about like the beginning success of My Chemical Romance, for example, um, that emo aesthetic. I think there is a lot of sadness, a lot of, um, how do I say it? Uh, glorification of depression occurring nowadays. Um, and I'll get into that more a little bit. Um, but when eclipses happen, they call these points the nodes of fate. So basically, the lunar nodes do hold actual significance in astronomy. They're just imaginary lines where the tilted orbit of the moon crosses the ecliptic. The ecliptic is the plane which the Earth orbits the Sun, so it's a two-dimensional surface that exists in a 3D space. So since the Earth's equator is tilted, the location where the Moon crosses the ecliptic changes about every two years, give or take. So it occurs in a westward direction, basically meaning that it looks backwards to the rest of what's going on in the astronomy chart at any given time um, and again planets do have retrograde motions where they appear to move backwards as well at certain times but the lunar nodes consistently move in a westward direction meaning since the north node is currently in Taurus it'll go to Aries and then to Pisces and then to Aquarius you see going west rather than you know the way the sun moves in an eastward direction from Aries to Taurus to Gemini the lunar nodes go in a backwards direction so with this particular new moon I really do think there is a lot of grace with the Venus and Jupiter conjunction happening it is a vessel of opportunity as far as that perfection of the conjunction, which does happen, um, you know, I think it's about once a year since Venus is a pretty quick moving planet and Jupiter takes about 12 years to transition through the signs. But 
the fact that Venus is in its sign of exaltation in Pisces and Jupiter is in its sign of natural rulership traditionally, um, I think there is a beautiful opportunity to reflect on our emotional well-being as we're building those foundational themes I was discussing. So there is a vessel to really relax into our emotionality. What's also interesting is that Mercury will be at zero degrees of Gemini in its natural sign of rulership on the day of this new moon, April 30th. I think that as far as our intellectual ability to separate ourselves from the emotionality, to build that stability in the present moment, what a cool opportunity that Mercury would be moving into Gemini as well. I really do think that um, we as a collective can look to modalities like meditation, spiritual development, yoga. I think it is something we desire is peace and stability as a whole. I think we are seeing that a little bit more in the news circuit. I think things are starting to calm down when Mark and I did our podcast at the beginning of the month. That was something we had discussed of what would it be like? Would we see those differences? And I, I think we have in some regards, not completely, of course. And I, I wish for safety and security for everyone, of course. Um, but I don't think it's really fair to try and say collectively there's this beautiful opportunity for manifestation and portal dimension opening. There's a lot of darkness here still. There's a lot of... Um, sadness. And I think, again, I, it's kind of silly. I, I feel so compelled to want to bring up my chemical romance again. But I, I think that energy of like that 2004 um, sadness, that esoteric uh, symbolism, I'm seeing a lot of symbolism of like the Catholic church, like the, the gore that can even be involved in that. That's um, imagery I'm getting. Um, at this present moment, I'm really seeing that to kind of, um, you know, imagine that sacrifice. I think that's something maybe uh, with the Aries new moon that we began this particular month of April with, perhaps with, you know, Easter season, we, we kind of see that imagery. Uh, it's just so funny how, um, you know, we've come to associate through consumerism, Easter bunnies, and chocolates, and candy with Easter, but the reality is, is it's about sacrifice, and it's gore, it's blood, it's, it's death, it's rebirth, it's all of those themes, and Taurus energy wants us to tune into that stability of what we learned from the airy season, which is very synonymous with Jesus Christ and, and what he sacrificed, whether, you know, you believe in Christian morals or not, that's besides the point, but the symbolism of who Jesus Christ was is very, very innately involved with that movement from Pisces to Aries season and, and this time of year in general. So to go back to the Pisces themes, um, I really want to try and use this podcast as an opportunity to see other times in history when 
conjunctions happened, or not necessarily even conjunctions, but this time around it will be um, the Venus in Pisces conjunct Jupiter in Pisces. I would like to discuss, um, this last happened on February 16th, 2010. That was when uh, the Oasis album, What's the Story, Morning Glory, won the award for the best album of the past 30 years, you know, at the time in 2010, at the Brit Award ceremony. Why am I bringing this up? So again, this was the last time that Venus in Pisces conjunct Jupiter in Pisces. So what did Liam Gallagher do, you know, one of the members of Oasis when he was given this award? He chucked it back into the audience and he didn't thank his own sibling who wrote most of the lyrics on that album. It is known for songs like Champagne Supernova and Wonderwall, of course. It has a lot of kind of sleepy songwriting, sex and drugs. Um, so why am I putting it into context like that? I think with Venus in Pisces and Jupiter in Pisces, there is this avoidance, this indulgence, this escapism, we don't want to be present. And I feel like when you think about the lyrics of Champagne Supernova, for example, uh, where were you while we were getting high? Like, we're just prioritizing our physical desires rather than actually being present in the moment. We would rather turn to vices like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, and the initial release of the album, What's the Story, Morning Glory by Oasis, was released when the North Node was in Scorpio in opposition to the current transit of the Taurus North Node. So I just really thought the symbolism of the song, in particular Champagne Supernova, is something really aligned with the energy of this new moon. That kind of melancholy feeling of enjoying what's going on and being present but it is almost like an escapism it's almost like a a wandering to the wonder wall and i think you know that's definitely become such a joke over the past decade or two if anyway here's wonder wall why do we turn to that joke well Wonderwall is just a very simplistic chord progression that a lot of musicians can play and I think that's another energy maybe we can kind of look at with this new moon. I know, I'm sorry if that's a little silly, but again, I like to put things into context of history and the fact that um, this new moon is occurring on the same, or excuse me, it's, so what's happening basically is that exact Venus and Jupiter conjunction in Pisces is happening again, last happened when the band Oasis won the Brit Music Awards for the best album of the past 30 years. And, and you know, to be quite frank, I'm not, like, the biggest Oasis fan. Well, what a thing that, out of all the albums that had come out um, those past 30 years, you know, think 2010, 30 years before that, that album won. Um, what does that say about what we prioritize as a collective, uh, lyrically? Um, simplicity. We crave that. We want... We want that. We want to be at peace in the sense of just, you know, chilling, vibing, you know, 
I don't think that's something to be discredited, of course. But the irony that the band member decided to just throw the award in the audience, I don't think he did that um, because he didn't want it. I think he, he viewed it as it was for the audience, the, the sacrifice, the giving. And that's what we do when we build, you know, foundations in some regard. Was it the wisest choice? Probably not. Am I justifying it? Whatever. But I guess the symbolism I'm trying to say is involved here is think about that champagne supernova in the sky. These constellations we see in the stars consist of many supernovas, stars waiting to burst at any given time. You know, the constellation of Taurus has a couple supernovas, I believe, that could explode at any given time. Uh, another thing I found interesting was when I was looking back at resources, um, as far as like the timing of these conjunctions and whatnot, I found this personal astrology planner from 2010. Uh, it's written by Rick Levine and Jeff Jar, and it was breaking down week by week the astronomy, uh, uh, astrology, excuse me. Of February 2010 and it referred to that particular week as a supernova like the title of it was supernova exclamation point of Venus meeting Jupiter and Pisces um, so I think there is this as far as our emotionality this opportunity to really focus in on that energy and to question what do we want where if it was to all end you know Pisces is the end of the zodiac where where would you want to be what what do you desire after it all and I think that's a question we do have to ask ourselves whether or not you believe in the afterlife or your religious spiritual affiliate affiliations excuse me I think it's just so important that as this Taurus energy of stability and grounding and foundation is happening, with this Pisces energy happening as well, we're really invited a beautiful supernova level opportunity to really reflect on what would it matter emotionally? What can I offer to the rest of the world? And I, I really want you to try and tune in and, and think about that. What what emotionally would be your saving grace? What do you have? You know, Venus rules money, too. Um, so those who are born with a Venus in Pisces might have a lot more blessings as far as opportunity um, to be provided for, for example. Uh, comfort and luxury. So again, Venus and Jupiter conjunct about every 12 years or so. So just some people who have this conjunction natally uh, include Tom Waits. I love him. And uh, my love too, of course, Freddie Mercury. He has a, a little uh, wider orb. It's not an exact conjunction, but I just had to bring that up because those who have uh, Jupiter and Venus conjunction natally really have this expansive, benefic opportunity to open up to opportunity in life, um, it's just a lot more emotionally, uh, no matter what sign it's in, it does allow a little more benefit, uh, you know, the reaping of whatever that involves as far as our love and our luck um, intertwine. And 
what we can get out of that. So Jupiter is only going to be in Pisces for a couple more weeks. It will enter Aries on May 11th. So this particular new moon is a really great opportunity for us to take in that energy of Jupiter being in its natural placement as well as Venus being in its sign of exaltation. I think, as I've emphasized already, it's so much more important to just be focusing on our emotional bodies, on our material plane, rather than trying to manifest way far beyond what's even going to happen. But I thought what was interesting to note too, though, looking at when the next partial solar eclipse will be, um, because again, it happens on an axis, so currently the sun is in Taurus, the next partial solar eclipse won't happen again until the sun is in Scorpio. That won't be until October 25th of this year, 2022. And don't you know, um, Jupiter will be re-entering Pisces on October 27th, meaning that on May 11th, Jupiter is going to continue its way into Aries and then make its way, I think, to about like nine degrees of Aries at the end of July and then slowly creep back into Pisces, into its sign of natural rulership. And when is that occurring? When the next partial solar eclipse is happening. So if we're talking about manifestation, if we're talking about opening portals, I think what we're really referring to is these six-month increments. And that can be tough for people to really think, I have to wait six months to reap the benefits of what's going on right now. I think so, personally. I really think that's how eclipse season should be viewed, not necessarily as this, like, instant gratification. Um, even though, you know, before I did discuss how eclipses do open up, like, quicker changes, but they're a little more out of our control, for example. So, you know, personally, I'm just trying to be wary, um, very safety, security-based myself, and I would definitely advise you to do the same, uh, to consider your resources, to consider your spending, to consider your emotionality um, in this present moment. And when the next partial solar eclipse happens, the Scorpio season, where we're taking those foundational lessons of grounding stability, when we move on into Scorpio season in October, that's more the well, the water, the emotional healing of whatever is happening with all this Pisces energy now. And again, that beautiful vessel of Jupiter just going right back into Pisces as the eclipse season opens up, you know, a vessel of opportunity for us to really explore our emotionality and how our stability has been so compromised these past couple of years, just as a collective, um, we've really had a lot of suffering and, and darkness. There's there's no denying that. And I, I really hope if you're still listening, um, you don't get the wrong idea that this is like dark and scary times. I think to go back to the oasis symbolism, um, like a champagne supernova in the sky, just kind of imagine that someday you'll find me caught beneath the landslide. You know, um, that dreamy etherealness is totally okay to tune into. Just don't use it as a vice to get away from the present moment, I guess, is my advice as I'm tying this up. Um, and I did 
want to know, of course, that this partial solar eclipse is going to lead up to a total lunar eclipse on May 16th. It's the most dramatic of the three eclipse types. Um, the moon is traditionally in its fall in Scorpio, so that's also a little interesting to note. Um, so our emotionality where Pisces might be a little bit more sensitive and agreeable. Scorpio water is not as agreeable. Definitely more stubborn. Definitely um, has motives based in the ego and the self more than a Pisces energy would allow. Um, so why do I bring up that darkness again with this upcoming full moon in Scorpio. I think we need to really reflect on how can we be more sensitive to those around us and allow that sensitivity to myself as well so I can build grounding fundamental stability in my day-to-day -day life. Will I allow those vices to be more important than that stability? So I think of the Ten of Cups card, though, honestly. Um, I do see this to be a very transitional time, at least, um, a cumulative time of looking back on those resources like I was discussing before and allowing your emotional self to be present with those feelings. Cry, honestly. Sometimes we just need a good cry. We need to realize that, like I was saying before, if you do find yourself asking that question of what would happen if that foundation crumbled beneath me and, and you see the disaster, I don't want you to think in terms of disaster. I want you to think in terms of what can be done to hopefully prevent that from, of course, happening altogether. But if it did happen, what safety nets would you have? What resources? And just start thinking of it in terms of having resources, something to turn to. Um, so in conclusion, with this upcoming new moon in Taurus, again, being a black moon, two new moons in one month, we're really looking at the movement of that Aries self energy to the more grounded Taurus energy. Um, really soaking in that north node Uranus and Taurus. You know, the unpredictability is jarring, but I really do think collectively with that Venus and Jupiter conjunction happening, and I, I barely even discussed the fact that um, Mercury is going to be in Gemini as well, so let me just give a little more attention to that before I go. Um, Mercury moving into Gemini with all of this, I truly do think is going to at least allow us a little more intellectual discernment when it comes to these emotional feelings that might come up when we do reflect on that feeling of what would happen if the rug was pulled out from underneath me. I think there is definitely an opportunity intellectually with Mercury being in its sign of natural rulership for us to separate the emotional self from the realistic approach of, well, this is what I have to do now. And with the two benefic planets of Venus and Jupiter conjoining at 27 degrees of Pisces, and of course, too, um, 
I don't think I really mentioned this, Neptune is still in Pisces. It's also a sign of rulership since it was discovered however long ago, so many hundreds of years ago. Um, I think with um, Mars being in Pisces still as well, uh, Mars isn't crazy about being in Pisces, but you know, Venus and Mars have been together and they're kind of like the couple of the astrological chart. So, you know, they're happy together. So kind of think of this as a time to reconvene your emotionality. And again, with Saturn being in Aquarius still, um, you know, I think there's a lot of themes of the self kind of to reflect back on. Um, but I, I just wouldn't, as you know, Saturn and Aquarius doesn't really stick out to me much in this chart, to be quite frank. It does form a square to the north node. So I guess um, as far as like our lessons uh, surrounding stability and wanting to be the individual in any given moment, um, we do have to kind of grapple with that, I suppose, um, to tie in the Saturn transit. I guess that's what we're seeing is how does my desire to build those foundational grounding things, that's the Taurus North Node, uh, square off with my lessons surrounding individuality and humanitarianism, that's uh, Aquarius. Um, Saturn and Aquarius. And we also do have um, Pluto at the late degrees of Capricorn still. Um, Pluto will be there for quite a while longer. So I guess um, as far as our subconscious desires, that is pretty linked to this new moon as well. Um, so again, this is absurdist astrology. We gave a lot of meaning to the meaningless today, didn't we? <laughs> if you're still here, I really thank you so much for sticking with me. Um, please feel free to reach out. I am at absurdist underscore astrology on Instagram. If you ever have questions, if you want like a chart interpretation or want to understand like how a particular transit might be affecting you, please feel free to reach out. You know, I'm starting just from the ground up. I work full-time during the week, but this is really something, astrology that is, that I'm trying to break into more and more, trying to find myself more time to dive into. So again, please, I would love for you to reach out. Um, thank you so much, Open Minds Radio, for hosting this podcast. And again, if you have any other questions, I would love for you to reach out. It's really been fun today. I hope you're enjoying this. Again, I would really love your feedback. With this new moon in Taurus, I really wish blessings over you of foundational grounding, of emotional stability. Have a great day. I wish all the best for you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.